0: Love Talk Radio. Hello, Giants fans. Those of you who are somehow still around, welcome to week seven of the Giants Beat Podcast. I am David Bloodstein. I'm joined by Alex Wilson. And I had a horrible, horrible dream. I had a dream, and this was nightmare by the way, that we started one in six, the New York Football Giants.
1: And then I was awoken
0: to realize that is in fact the sad reality which we live in. Yes. We are 1-6, and, and that is horrible. We're going to be talking about that when we talking about the game against Seattle, which literally could have put you to sleep. In fact, it actually did. And then we have a bye week, and then somehow we're facing off a team that I think is actually worse than us this, this time around, the San Francisco 49ers. It is going to be a very interesting game coming out of the bye week. But first, before we look forward, let's look back, unfortunately, to the game against Seattle where uh, our friend Alex Wilson here wants to take over and start with uh, some mechanics of the game. So let's see, Alex, what do you got for us?
1: All right. Well, I want to start out with the fact that I also had a dream and it was a great dream, a glorious dream where Jerry Reese was fired and sent down to the pits of hell. So you can tell how my night went. But besides that, I do want to go into Ben McAdoo and Mike Sullivan calling the plays. I've heard rumors that You know, Ben McAdoo didn't fully give up play-calling duties, and Mike Sullivan was kind of over overridden on a bunch of plays. Um, I thought that the run game was not very proficient against Seattle. They tried to get it going, but their defense was just overwhelming. You could see that they were they were stuffing the box. All they really had to do was stop the run, and Eli Manning did the rest. So it was not very good. And people have asked, did Sullivan do a better job? I would say against Denver, he did a great job because he was running the ball effectively. He had the lineman in place. Justin Pugh was injured halfway through the game with a back injury, and it was was all over from there. I mean, he's the one guy that's actually opening up holes and allowing any sort of time for Eli Manning, and after he was gone, it was just you saw what happened. They didn't score any points after that, and Bobby Hart was a disaster. So not what we really wanted to see, but the Giants – you know, they put up 138 yards on 32 carries against the Broncos in week six. Olean's Darkwell had a great game, and then he came back and had 46 yards on 17 carries in week, sec- in week seven. So it was not very great well, from what we saw. No. Um, Eli Manning, you know, do you have anything to add there?
0: Uh, the only thing I want to add is that I actually put up the box. because I, I didn't have the exact numbers in front of me. We threw the ball 39 times against the Seattle Seahawks and ran the ball 17. That should be backwards. Yeah, we should be running the ball significantly more than passing at this point. So I didn't even realize watching the game how much Mike Sullivan called pass plays with a uh, receiving core that we're going to go over now that is just just gone. You can't call that. It's not how it works now.
1: Unfortunately, I agree. And I mean, especially with no passing him. I mean, we saw Roger Lewis get bumped up from the number four receiver to the number one receiver, and he has been non-existent. I honestly don't even see him on the field ever. It, this is his opportunity to really show that he can be a, a, you know, a starting caliber wide receiver and he is not really showing up. I mean, he was against Richard Sherman. Yes. For for parts of the game and he was completely locked down. So you can tell, you know, there's a reason that he's back in the number four receiver spot when, you know, Shepard and Odell and Brandon Marshall are healthy. So he'll go back to that role next season. If he's even on the team by then. But we'll see. I mean, Evan Ingram is the really only, the real weapon on the offense right now. I mean, he's having, what a a season he's having as a rookie. He entered the game in the, in the first week I was a little skeptical about what he had to offer. You know, there was things about him not being able to block, which is still, you know, a problem, but he's getting better. I mean, so far in the season, he's recorded 342 yards and three scores. And he's the only reason the giants barely represent a team in the NFL. I mean, he's the only guy that can catch a football. He's, he's really he's really the entire offense at this point, given the fact that they faced off against some of the league's best secondaries in the past two games. It's it's still embarrassing that the next best man up is probably Travis Rudolph, who's on, who's on the practice squad. I mean, he's shown that he's more capable of catching a ball than Roger Lewis. Tavares King just was scooped up off the street. He was homeless two weeks ago. <laughs> and, and, you know, now you have Eli Manning trying to get the ball out of his hands to receivers who don't even know – the route tree you know they don't even know the timing Eli Manning is, has a very specific offense and if if the players if his receivers aren't in the right spot at the right time he's gonna miss it that's just how his offense runs it's the west coast offense it's all short passes it's all timing and the receivers just aren't in the right place at the right time so he I mean there's a reason that you know he had 39 pass attempts last week and he only had what 19 of them completed so yeah, not even six exactly. back of them were were yeah not even fifty percent of them were completion. so you know how do you how do you get around that? You give it to your best player right now, who's Evan Ingram, and he's doing as much as he can do, but unfortunately, all you have to do is shut down the run and man coverage put man coverage on your wide receivers and it's over like the the, the, the Giants offense was bad before, even with Odell and now it's just it's like <laughs> it's like a high school team it's it's pretty bad out there. but I mean, what did you think of the offensive line because I thought that after Justin Pugh left, it was a disaster. I mean, Bobby Hart, is a, he's a liability. I mean, I get he's a seventh-round pick, but I thought there was he had a little bit more fight in him. What do you think about that?
0: This was one of those games where you just look around and say, all right, what was the positives here? And then you look around some more and say, all right, nothing was positive. Everything was bad, and everything needs to go. The offensive line just – it, it went from somehow bad – to worse, to like 10 feet under that, that bad. It was, uh, I mean, I kind of expected this to happen. I mean, you know, Seattle is a very tough defense, and they're always going to put pressure on, I guess, a below average offensive line coming into the game, then somehow, you know, worse than that. And it was just, just so rough to watch the Giants. I think that's kind of why they went away from the rushing game. You know, once they were down by, you know, seven points, ten points, whatever it was, uh, and then they realized, all right, we can't run the ball here, as shown by the fact that Darkwell only had 35 yards, Goldman came in, had three yards to carry. It was just kind of rough on the running side. Eli was kind of just to the action where he had half the ball. He didn't have a chance to go deep, obviously, with, you know, lackluster weapons, really. He had a golden middle, he'll stay short and uh, this is the game plan now, unfortunately, being the Giants. If you put any pressure on the Giants' offensive line, which is incredibly easy, you can only you can rush three against the Giants' offensive line and probably still get some pressure, just just based on how bad they're playing, and if pews out for any significant amount of time, I don't know exactly off the top of my head if he's missing any you know games going forward, but still, if you can rush three now against the Giants' offensive line and get pressure, or even four, even four is realistic, but still, the point is, you can't, if you stop the run, it's over. If you play in coverage, it's over. This is just one of those situations where there's no, there's no bright spot for the Giants' offense. Evan Ingram has been pushed to being a very talented player, and he is a talented player, of course. But we drafted him with the 23rd pick, and it seemed like, oh, wow, we're going to add to this great you know, offensive weapon uh, you know, offensive weapons that we have, and he's just going to be a complementary piece. And right, now he's, right. a super, he's a superstar He's the focal point And it's uh, out of need And I guess the Giants fans didn't want Ingram We're Glad we have him now It's better than no one No one being there Would you want Travis Rudolph uh, Roger Lewis Rhett Elderson? Would you want those guys Being the ones catching the balls At least Ingram's a wide receiver Kind of And a tight end body It's just all over the place it's Kind of just like the Giants Unfortunately But uh, it's it's rough. It's it's definitely – this is the game plan moving forward against the Giants. Stop the run, make Eli throw, and they'll put up four points, five points, seven points. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. It's rough. It's going to yeah. be a difficult time.
1: No, I, I completely agree, especially, you know, like you said before, if Pew is forced to miss any time, that means we have to start Bobby Hart at right tackle, which is pretty much the worst imaginable thing you could ever come up with. I mean – he came into the game and it almost immediately caused a penalty that put Aldrich Rosas in uncomfortable field goal kicking space. You know, it was like a 46 yard field goal and he missed it, which would have gave him more momentum that really killed it. But I mean, like I said before, we have to remember that he is a seventh round pick and seventh round picks aren't generally the guys that you want starting at right tackle or even playing a snap at right tackle. So I think at this point he needs to be tossed away. And I don't think he ever should be given a chance in the NFL because he's preposterous. I think his new job of keeping the bench warm for Justin Pugh was working out quite well for him. Pugh always had a warm seat to go back to keep his muscles loose. And then he had to go back mm-hmm. in and dominate again. I think that, you know, he, he was playing a very nice role as, as bench warmer. And I just think that they need to keep him there. So I'm, I'm praying. I'm, I'm sure everybody else is praying right now that, you know, Pugh is back after the bye week good thing he has this week to, you know, rest up and get back to shape. Um, but I do want to delve into Eric flowers a little bit because we actually haven't heard his name very often, which is interesting. I think he's been, you know, performing relatively well the past few weeks, you know, despite all of the criticism he's gotten throughout the last, I guess, two and a half years, he is showing a little bit different story than what we've been used to. I mean, he's still not the giants left tackle for the future, but he isn't the worst guy on the line and. You know, when we saw Jerry Reese in his annual press conference the other day, he came to his aid again, of course. Um, This is exactly what he said. He said, Eric is a big boy. There's been guys that have been picked higher than him in the offensive line who have struggled. He also said, I do think he's developed. Is he going to be our long-term left tackle? We don't know that. But if you look at him compared to a lot of left tackles around the National Football League, there's a bunch of comparables around. Of course, you can compare him to the worst left tackles in the league even if he's developed, he's developed into a bad left tackle from a really bad left tackle. So it's like, what do you, what, there is really no improvement there. And the fact that he said, you know, that there have been guys picked higher than him that have struggled is a, little, is a little weird to say because, I mean, he was a top 10 pick. So there's not many guys that have been picked higher than him that have been busts. You know, like he's been like the worst of the worst. So what do you no, I uh, think what do, said- you do you know what I mean? He implied that, you know, Flowers is very bad for a for a first round pick. And he like he kind of went around the idea that he, he didn't want to say publicly that he was bad, but he implied heavily that, you know, but just by saying that other guys have been picked higher than him that have struggled, he admits that he is struggling even though he's developed a little bit. Jerry Reese is giving us two answers and one. And it's just like his flip-floppy attitude. He did that throughout the press conference, and it was just, it was kind of uh, annoying to see as a fan and a beat writer, just because you didn't really get anything from it. he I want to talk a little bit more about that later, but I want to, you know, wh- what is your opinion on it?
0: No, I mean, Jerry Reese is just trying to save face. He's trying to save his job, and I can understand that, but at the same time, it doesn't take much thinking by any kind of, you know, giant fan to be like, wait, what's he talking about? Have you seen the fan play? Eric Flowers, He's just not talented enough to be in the NFL. He he's a bust. He does not belong in NFL so in my opinion. I think you know he's just unfortunately one of those players you have to move on from an organization where you can admit you've messed up, and he he just has to leave. We can't bring him back. And Jerry Reese is just trying to save things and trying to save his job. Like, hey guys, listen, you know it can always be worse. It could be this guy, but unfortunately. That one player he's referencing was a top-ten pick who struggled, was not on the Giants. Eric Flowers is, unfortunately, on New York Giants, and you keep on starting <laughs> in the left tackle, and it's just getting worse. Maybe he's not playing as bad, or maybe he is, we're just not talking bad because the rest of the offensive line is somehow playing bad. You know what the old saying where it's like the next man up, and like football players always have to be ready? Well, this one, the offensive line, yep. said, oh, hey, Eric, we got your back. It's all fall. We don't care.
1: So, <laughs> let's all lose together.
0: Yeah, literally. Let's all lose together. We all get participation trophies. But, uh, no. Eric Flowers is <laughs> horrible. Doesn't belong on an NFL roster. Uh, Jerry Reese, I understand, trying to save his job, but at the same time, it doesn't... Yeah, come on. It's like putting, like, one band over, like, an entire, like, wound. Like, it's not going to work. Like see yeah. uh, It's just not working. And... Jerry Reese just has to be honest with himself or not. Maybe keep in line. Maybe he'll somehow uh, stay around for another season because, unfortunately, he's been able to do that. Who knows? But, uh, no, Eric Flowers. you can't defend him anymore at this point. It's just too much. Like, every every other writer, sports fan,
1: has to be able to call him out on this now because this has gone too far. Yeah, I I agree. He even went as far as to say that there was – no other options in the, in a in free agency this past off season. I mean, he was, he actually went as far as say that to give the exact age. So he said, Oh, you know, we don't, we want to get young players. We, we don't want to get players that are 36 years old, which directly related to Andrew Whitworth, who is turning 36 this year, who is arguably the best left tackle in the game right now, the best offensive acquisition that happened over the off season. And he went as far as to pretty much say that he passed on him because he wanted to go younger. He wanted to save face, like you said, with Eric Flowers, which is crazy to think because, you know, we're trying to win a Super Bowl here. We don't need a liability at left tackle where Eli Manning can't see what's going on. You know what I mean? it's it's, it's embarrassing the fact that he could stand up there and tell us that he doesn't need to be picking it up, that Flowers doesn't need to be picking it up every single game, and that he passed on Andrew Whitworth to save face. And, you know, I think at this point, Flowers needs to be called out because when you're performing like that or you're, you know, he's been better the past few games, but still not great. When you're performing like that, you need to be called out publicly. Personally, I think that's the the case. I mean, like you said before, he's a big boy. The NFL is a business, so they need to put some pressure on Flowers publicly at some point. Otherwise, who knows if he'll ever become a professional football player because he's still at the college level right now. I mean... In all seriousness, they put you know they benched uh, Eli Apple. They benched Eli Apple, and he came back the next game and had the best game of his NFL career. So what does that tell you? That tells you that sometimes putting out in the open, showing the public, putting him on the spot for people to see is is what it takes to you know become a good player and get get a little bit of you know anger in yourself because. Flowers has been a swinging door. He's like one of those taverns you go in the Wild West and they have the swinging door. That's basically all he has been for the Giants. And it's, it's pretty embarrassing. And I don't really know why Jerry Reese chose to you know, pass up on Whitworth to sign Brandon Marshall, who's 33 years old, and then re signed John Jerry, who's 31. So he said he wanted to go younger, but signed two players over 30 years old. So what he's saying doesn't even really make sense. You see what I'm saying? It's, he's contradicting himself with his actions, which is the worst part because he's telling us one story, yet we can clearly see that he is doing a whole different thing. And he's trying to save face, and it's, it's really getting on my nerves that he's allowed to do that, and ownership isn't, isn't doing anything about it. I think if, if the Giants continue to lose, if they don't win at least four games, even if they do win four games, he should be gone because five seasons with one playoff appearance, and they lost by 25 points. Last, season, last year in the, in the wild card against Green Bay. 25 points, and he came in in, in the press conference saying that the 1-6 in six season is, is because of Super Bowl hype. They had too much hype that they, they, they couldn't pick it up and they couldn't win a few games. I don't understand how he's trying to blame. He's trying to blame the Giants' poor start to Super Bowl hype. After losing by 25 points, that doesn't justify any sort of Super Bowl hype. If they lost in the Super Bowl they would have Super Bowl hype for the next season, but they didn't. They lost in the first round of the playoffs. So why on earth is anybody talking about the Super Bowl before the season even starts? We are one in six. This is the worst nightmare you could have. You could even come up with if you're a Giants fan or if you're in the front office. I mean, John Mara literally said he's very disappointed. So something has to be done. I think he knows that. You know what I mean? It. I mean, let's 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 check out a little bit what what Jerry Reese had to say about the matter. He said, well, this is pretty easy. We won 11 games with a rookie head coach. So you, you come back and think, well, we already got 11 wins. That's just not how it works. So you have to protect against winning. That's all I can say. You have to protect against winning. You have to start over. You have to put in the work gift. You, you have to play with some passion out there. So that's what I'm trying to say. So what he's trying to say is you have to protect against winning. Isn't winning the entire point of the game. It, it, he's, he's saying you have to protect against winning, they didn't even win a, a playoff game. They, won a, they had 11 wins last season with one of the worst schedules in the, in the NFL. They had one of the easiest schedules, and they won 11 games. And they had no offense. It was all because of the defense. I don't understand where this hype is coming from. What are you even talking about at this point? They, like Anybody with half a brain could figure out that he's just pulling this out of his ass. So it's, it's like, what do you do? And I, I think McAdoo is getting a lot of the heat for this. You know, McAdoo is getting a lot of heat for the, for the recent pieces of a mess that that Jerry has made, but it's not due necessarily to the offense, more it is the people that are on the offense. Eli Manning needs time and he didn't give him any time. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's pretty obvious how much, how much he's just trying to save himself here. And it's getting on my nerves and everybody else's nerves because people that are saying, oh, like Jerry Reese, you know, he had two Super Bowls under his belt. I'm, I'm like, w- when did he win the first Super Bowl? The 2007-2008 Super Bowl was not his doing. He had a few guys that he drafted that, that contributed, but he didn't win that Super Bowl. That team was in place. They had The Giants had one of the best defensive lines in history. The defense won them that Super Bowl, not the offense. The, the David Tyree catch was a miracle. That has nothing to do with Jerry Reese. Listen, I, I don't you know people tell said me, it very well. I, I mean, keep going.
0: You said it very well. Not much I can add to this, but all I can say is, when you, when you heard that quote about uh, winning 11 games, I had not heard that quote before. I was literally shaking my head in disgust. That is one of the dumbest things I have ever heard anyone in football say. That is actually one of the dumbest things. And I'm not kidding when I say that. I legitimately cannot believe You have to protect against winning? Uh, really? Oh, jeez. Oh, how do we protect against winning? Oh, I know. Let's just waste our money. Let's draft poorly. Oh, hey, 20 points a game? Let's do that once. Like, come on, guys. Jerry Reese, just, I get it. I get get that he wants to save his job. I guess that, like, he doesn't want, you know, riots in front of his house. Like, why are you so bad? Or in front of the Giants. I get it. We're, We're bad. But, Jerry, come on. Like, we... You can't save your job now unless we somehow win ten games in a row when Roger Lewis turns into uh, Calvin Johnson, and Javarius King turns into Randy Moss, and then uh, Ed Egan becomes, you know, not him. <laughs> like, I get it, but it's not going to work. Like, we're, it's it's over, Jerry. Just stop lying to the fans. Just like these neutral statements where it's like, oh, you know, we just got to put more effort in. Oh, this player's alright no, this one, it can't be that bad. No. Look around, be honest, and be like, All right, we're screwed. It's over. I'm sorry. And leave. Go into the sunset, leave and just never come back. Like that would be that would make me thrilled. If Jerry seriously just like, all right, I'm done and gets out.
1: I agree. And especially I hate it when people argue for Reese and the fact that, you know, he's such a great drafter early in in his his career as a manager. And I want to bring up one vital point that people tend to overlook for some reason is the fact that he spent $200 million on a defense, which is great. And it it went really well, but he did that to save his job. He didn't, the whole point of being a general manager is to be able to draft consistently quality players. And he couldn't manage to do that. The entire 2015 draft besides landing Collins, barely, I don't even think plays in the NFL anymore. So what do you, what does that say about him? It's, it's not good. And the fact that he had to save his, save his butt by spending 200 millions on a 200 million on a defense, just, just further proves my point that Jerry Reese isn't capable of being a general manager because he can't draft the unorthodox approach. To spending money through free agency and fixing a team is a very bad idea. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that fixing a team through free agency is a very bad idea, and that's not the traditional way of, of building a team. And he tried to do that on the offense this off season, and it failed miserably. Because now we see Brandon Marshall, who's injured for the year, who wasn't doing well anyway. Red Ellison, who's being paid four point five million dollars a year to play, to play what thirty percent of snaps. That's not helping anybody either. And, he, and then he, he, got, he went for the youth in D.J. Fluker, who was a Chargers outcast because they decided he was so bad that they didn't want to re-sign him. Someone please tell me where these, th- these decisions are coming from. I mean, Marshall's a 33-year-old receiver. He's, not, he's never been – he wasn't the same last season on the Jets, and why would he be the same this season? It's, it doesn't make sense to me that he put into everybody's mind that, you know, he, he bought a, lot of, a bunch of veterans and was like, oh, they're going to be great players. He re-signed John Jerry. He's old and sucks. Let's, let's, let's sign Brandon Marshall. He's He has temper issues and sucks. Let's sign Rhett Ellison, who barely going to play and sucks when he plays. Let's sign DJ Fluker, who sucks. Like what, what, there's nothing else to say about it than he made bad decisions and he has to live with that. And everybody is it now. And he's going to have to be fired. He has to be fired. Like you said before, um, but enough about Jerry Reese. I think the consensus is he has to, Fire and he's going to be doomed to the pits of hell so after that I want to talk about some rumors that I've heard lately about potential trades for Eli Manning and Dominic Rogers Cromarty. I don't know if you've heard anything about this but I've heard rumors of Eli Manning potentially going to the Jaguars and you know Tom Coughlin reuniting with him that will not happen I nobody heard. wants Eli Manning and his 19 million dollar salary to replace Blake Bortles you know I mean, I can see how it works, but Eli Manning needs an entire season to get acclimated with a new, with a new offense. And it's not going to work that way. So we can rule that as definitely not happening. A trade for DRC is a little bit more interesting because he's on his last year. He has 6.5 mil uh, allocated to him next year for his last year on the contract. His trading would be a good idea if they could get, something really good for him like a second and third round pick or even a second round pick i would say goodbye to drc at this point i mean this season is doomed next season who really knows because it seems like we're going to have to rebuild after this so what do you what do you think about that do you think that if someone came up to us and said maybe the steelers were like oh we'll give you martavis bryant and a third round pick for drc just to get Bryant off of our roster because he currently doesn't want to be on our roster would you consider that trade or would you say let's keep DRC as one of our main components on the defense and we need him?
0: Just to make sure before I start, he's on last—he's on the last year of his contract, correct? Like, this is it?
1: Yeah, he has $6.5 million, um on his last year, which is next year.
0: Okay, so he has one more year in his deal. So at that point, I would trade him. I don't think you're getting a second-round pick for him. I don't think you – you might get Brian for him straight up because – Football trades in seasons are so weird. Ironically, I actually watched a video about this yesterday. It was a forty five minute like documentary about the top ten like trades in season. And you know what the trend was? They don't work. In season trades really don't work so much. So any any rumor about Eli Manning getting traded is, is just preposterous. He's not going anywhere for two reasons. No one's gonna pay his cap and no one's taking the Giants that picks they think Eli Manning is worth. And he is worth it. Because Eli Manning could still take a team to the playoffs with, you know, Tanner Adam and an offensive line that's not made of you know Swiss cheese. But the point is, is that if no one's going to trade for Eli, the Jaguars are absolutely not going to trade for Eli. And if they did, it would take him two months realistically to get acclimated, build chemistry, learn you know the playbook, learn it well, like actually perform well in games. Like we we've seen like players get. Exactly. It'll be an entire season. These team players get thrown into the fire. We saw Carson Palmer a few years ago when he got traded from the Bengals to the Raiders. What happened? He was awful. We saw Josh Freeman. He got cut or traded by the Bucks to the Vikings. We saw him against the Giants. Horrible. He played 10 days after getting game, cut or traded, and was just god-awful. It doesn't work like that in the NFL. It's not like baseball or the, or the NBA where you can trade a guy and then three days later he's hitting home runs for you or you know, you know, the shooting threes, it's different in football and in-season trades never work. I mean, if a team wants to give us a second round pick for DRC, absolutely take it. Even if they give us a conditional third, you take that because DRC is not going to be your if and when the Giants are good. So it doesn't really matter. You know, tank a little bit in a sense, start someone who's a little bit younger, give them experience and take that conditional pick and run with it.
1: I agree. I'm in a way I would love to see the giants get another piece to add to the puzzle through the draft. Cause we need youth, um, and 6.5 million to DRC next season is not going to be nice cause he's already been designated to nickel packages. So he's not even playing traditional corner anymore. Apple is t- has taken the number two role and I actually like what I've seen from Apple the past two weeks. So I'm hoping he can continue that trend and develop into the guy we kind of need him to be. He's reminding me a lot of Prince of Mucamara right about now. You know he struggled his first season, and he, he looked better. He got better, and then he was eventually. You know he went to the Jaguars after his rookie deal was up. But I think they they'll ride Eli Apple out for the rest of his rookie deal, um, and then they probably won't re-sign him unless he turns into a, a Janoris Jenkins type corner. But I just don't see it really happening. Um, Jenkins is a you know once in a lifetime kind of kind of corner. So at this point, there's no game next week. We have the bye week. We have a lot of injuries on the team, and the guys are going to be trying to rest, get healthy again, because we're going to need it. Um, you know, they play, they come back and play the Forty ers so that's going to be a battle of the of the losers. So, it's really, a battle of the booze at that point, a battle of the booze, because I I can't imagine anyone being there, sitting there, actually cheering for this for either of those teams, because it's going to be probably one of the worst games of the season. Um, it, I honestly hope the Giants lose because. At this point, I'm just hoping for a high draft pick. Maybe they'll throw Davis Webb in there for a second or two. But, um, yeah, so that's pretty much it for this week, and take it away.
0: All right, guys, that, that was the end of the Giants Beat Podcast, Week 7 edition. Uh, we're debating if we're going to do a bi-week edition or not. We'll figure it out then. And, but until next time we talk, guys, thank you for listening to Giants Beat. I'm David Glutte, I was drawn by Alex Wilson. Hope you guys have a nice day.